Good evening. It's great to be with you tonight, and I like your new venue. It's, it's very cozy. You going to be back in the big, the big hall next Sunday, you think? Is that the plan? You hope so? Yeah, somebody will build a fire. I'm going to read with you tonight from Romans 8, and then um, speak a bit from there and from Galatians tonight on the topic of, of spiritual formation, but I want to begin just by uh, setting the stage with Romans 8, uh, from verse 18 to, to 30 tonight. And we'll be looking especially at verses 29 and, and maybe 29, 30. So this is the Word of God, Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, as we take this time in your presence and with one another in your word. We, we thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that it is true. We thank you that your promises are a solid rock we can stand on, uh, a clear path we can walk on. We thank you that what you are doing in our lives has been revealed in the word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would make it real to our hearts and minds tonight. We pray that you would give us fresh trust in Jesus and fresh uh, excitement for what you are doing uh, in us and through us for your glory. And I pray for your help as I, I share tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin by uh, telling you about our, our, our journey in, in um, coming to Scotland. When we moved here, we moved next to this brushland that was completely undeveloped and just piles of dirt and, and whatever found its, its way to grow there. 
And in a few months, though, this developer bought the land and began to build an entire neighborhood. And it was, it was a while ago, they were laying foundations, but then after that, they were building houses. And before we knew it, in a matter of months, this empty, emptiness became a neighborhood, just almost overnight. Now, compare that to Durham and Durham Cathedral. We went and visited this cathedral uh, a few months ago, and if you've seen it, it's amazingly big. It's one of the largest buildings I think I've ever been in, and it's, it's majestic, it's, it's, it's glorious, and it took a really long time to build. Because cathedrals, it's not just a matter of months or even years. It's usually decades, sometimes centuries in the making. And tonight, I'd like to speak to you about spiritual formation. And spiritual formation is not like building the neighborhood next to my house. Spiritual, spiritual formation, the process of, of changing and growing spiritually, is a lot more like cathedral building. Have you noticed that your journey of becoming like Jesus, it hasn't been overnight that you're instantaneously made perfect? Unless, is there an exception here tonight? I'm not the exception. And we discover in God's Word that it's, it's what God is doing, but it takes time. And I want to look with, that, with you at that tonight, and God willing, next week, uh, we may look at some more into that. But I want to think with you about what it is, I'll give you a definition that someone who did a lot of writing on spiritual formation gave, and then we're going to dive into God's Word. Dallas Willard said this, spiritual formation is the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. And that's quite dense. Let me read it again. It's the spirit-driven process. So notice who's driving this process. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. Of forming the inner world of the human self. So it's not first about what you do, your outward actions. But it's what God does on the inside. In such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. So that's where God's taking us. And we're going to look first at that. Where is God taking us? Many of us, we, we may have some goals in our lives, things that we're aiming for. Maybe in your job, the next step you'd like to take at your workplace or in your career, or maybe in your education. Uh, for some of you, it's, it's what you're hoping to, to contribute during your retirement and the next area you'd like to volunteer, the next person you'd like to build a relationship with and impact. And maybe uh, what you, you desire to see happen in terms of moving or or income, or kids. Is that where your life is going? Is it, is it those goals? Well, sometimes that is what we're thinking. This is what we're aiming for. This is where my life is going. But no, that is not ultimately where your life is going. Where is it ultimately going? It's something far higher than our earthly aspirations. And it's a goal that gives true meaning to our earthly goals. And we read it here in Romans 8, in verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. Conformed is the, the language of spiritual formation. And 
it's like the form of Jesus, the essence of his character is going to be impressed on us to such an immense degree that we reflect Jesus. It's a bit like my, my wife and my daughter. My daughter's now 15 and, and she's about the same height as my wife. Their hair is similar, a similar build. And Acacia gets mistaken sometimes for Agnes. And it's not just people who've only just met her who can do that. I can do that. I, I can phone home and hear a female voice on the other end, and I'm not sure who I'm talking to because she's so like her mom. And in a way, this idea of being conformed to the image of Jesus, who's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, it's, it's like you in your character become so like the Lord Jesus Christ in his compassion, in his gentleness, in his love, in his sacrifice, in his courage, so like him that people would meet you and, and they would almost mistake you for Jesus. Now, not, not literally, we're not straying into heresy here, but, but that our character becomes so much like his. That's what it's talking about, where right now, if we were to draw a picture of you in terms of your character, of your heart, and a picture of Jesus, th there's probably a bit of a gap right now. But he's in the process of closing that gap. We're being remade in his image, it says in Colossians chapter 3. And this renewal is more than simply about you personally and your, your personal relationship to the Lord. It's pointing to what God is doing on planet Earth and in fact in the whole universe. Because the Bible speaks about the renewal of all things. That History is headed towards a time when heaven and earth, all the brokenness is healed, all the evil is judged, and he renews his creation. And we, we read about that in the earlier verses in Romans 8, how the creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth, and how uh, the creation is waiting to be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the kingdom of God. And so every, every little change that God makes in your life is pointing to something much bigger that he's changing. Every longing to be like Jesus is, is an echo of, of the longing of creation to be healed. And as God changes you this year, it's not just you that's changing. It's not just your church that's growing like Christ. That's happening. But that change is a testimony to the world of a God who just as he makes your life more and more new. He's going to renew all things. Don't you think we live in, in a world that feels its brokenness? You just need to get to know your neighbors to discover the pain that's there. You just need to read the newspaper to recognize things are coming apart. And we get to be through our lives a message that God is going to transform those things. And he's using everything in our lives. It, it says in verse 28 here that God... Works, all, works for the good of those who love him. Uh, so we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And what greater good is there than that we're being conformed to Christ's image? And it can be hard to remember that in, in the thick of the moment. I, not long ago, I was involved in, um, I was the meal preparation person in our house. And it was a bunch of little things that were going to be mixed together. 
and one of my, my kids was going to set the table, and, and they were getting glasses out, and they dropped and broke a glass next to all these dishes of food that I'd been chopping and placing there. We were just about to eat. And I was very tired, and I was very grumpy. And I was just trying, like, not to lash out at him and just to figure out what to do next. And at that point, I noticed there was a smell in the room other than food. And we have a puppy. And I looked down, and I was looking for the mess, and I looked under my shoe, and there it was. It stepped in it. Dog poo, which I don't like. And at moments like that, I, I pretty much hate. And again, I was, I was reflecting at that time on, on this uh, material, and the thought entered my mind, okay, God, how are you forming me into the image of Christ through this? And I just had to take some real deep breaths and pray, and be like, okay, there's a purpose here, and I'm, I'm learning something, and this character's being formed. And there, that's in some ways just a funny example, but we, we have both those frustrations and we have the enormous blows in life. And I want to ask if we can be praying for one another, God, how are you using this to form the image of Christ in me, to draw me nearer to you, even as Jesus was near to the Father, even as he was even able to go through Gethsemane into the cross, because he knew the Father's strength. How are you forming Christ in me through this? The goal is that we'll be like him. And that's the end, as it were. Where we're going. Where does he begin? I want to look with you at Galatians uh, chapter 4. Where does spiritual formation begin? It's a, it's a, bit, of a, a bit of a tricky verse I want to zero in on. And I hope that we can understand it together. Galatians 4, verse just 19 and 20, we'll look at just now. And look, as we're reading, look for the language of formation here and start to think about what does it mean. Galatians 4, verse 19 to 20. This, like Romans, is a letter written to a church by uh, the Apostle Paul. And the context is he's, he's concerned for their, their trust to be in the Lord. And he says in verse 19, My dear children, for whom... I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. He's anxious. He's been writing in a very uh, forceful manner and he's try wishing he could change his tone. And what, what does he feel? He feels that he's in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, this idea of, of being in, in pain is, is a vivid picture. Some of us in the room can picture it better than others, I think. Uh, some of the ladies could illuminate us. What is that agony like? But that's how he feels because he wants to see something happen in their life. But then it's the other metaphor he uses isn't, isn't birth. It's, it's actually Christ formed in you, which in the, the original, the language speaks of an embryo, a, a baby formed in the womb that formation that he's longing for. And we know there's a process from this tiny little dot to something a little more like the size of a peanut to, to 
a, a little bitty baby and it grows and grows and grows. And, and throughout those stages, we know that a baby doesn't look like a fully formed human when it starts or even in the first several weeks. It's human, but it's, it's not fully formed and ready to function outside the womb yet. It's going to reach that point where everything it needs for successful growth outside the womb has been met. It's fully formed to begin the process of maturing outside the womb. And this language, I want to see Christ formed in you. It's not talking about becoming a fully mature person. He's saying, I want to see you in a place like that baby that's now ready to be born. That you're ready to begin to grow in your Christian life. Everything's in place. What needs to be in place for us to grow? What does that, that level of being fully formed look like? See, there's an irreducible starting point in our, our knowledge of Christ from which we need to grow. Obviously, there, there's the, the foundations of knowing that there's a God and knowing that He created everything. Knowing that, that Satan tempted Adam and Eve and they fell into sin and there's a broken world. And that God chose to send His Son as a rescuer. And then in that, there's understanding who is Christ for us? Who is Christ for you, Airdrie Baptist Church? And that's what he talks about throughout Galatians, which I'd encourage you to, to, to read. But looking at chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, I'll narrow down to those verses. What does it mean to, to have that foundation for your Christian life, that irreducible minimum of formation from which we begin our, our growth and to which we need to come back often regularly to continue growing? He says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He's saying, I showed you that the way of salvation is not what you do. It's the cross. And we see that as, as he goes on. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort. Did you receive the Spirit, he's saying, by meeting a list of requirements that you could say, I did that, I did that, I did that, and I did that. And then God saved you and gave you a Spirit. And it's a rhetorical question. He expects an answer. No. No, it wasn't by a list of things that we got right. It was by believing in the message he preached, which was that God came, became a man, and died to make the way into his presence. And it's through faith in him. We began by faith and nothing else. And he says, we continue by a list of things that we've done? No. It's not by human effort, verse 3. We began by the Spirit. We began by faith in receiving the Spirit. And we continue in the same way. And that irreducible starting point from which we grow, from which we're ready to begin our, our journey and to which we need to return regularly is the gospel. Is I'm not only saved by, by faith in Jesus Christ alone, but every day I wake up in need 
of all that he is. And the only way I've received that is by faith again. Every day I trust him for my growth. Every day I trust him to be the reason the Father accepts me. It's never, well, I had a quiet time. It's never, well, I didn't yell at my kids. It's never, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm liked at work. Or it's ne never anything we could present to God. It's only Jesus. Now, why is this important? Well, maybe because of this. Some of us, the gospel we, we got growing up was Jesus died to save you, so believe in him, but from here on, it's up to you. Be a good boy, be a good girl, live right, live clean, and, you know, check these boxes off, and you'll be okay. And it, it, it's right to aim for good behavior, for whole, holy living, but when it becomes the way that we feel right with God, we've got it wrong. We have lost what Jesus is for us. And we end up in this cycle of, of grief, uh, someone called it, where we, we just don't know how we can ever do, do enough and be accepted and be worthy. Because we're not resting in Jesus. And the irreducible starting point is resting in Jesus. It's grace. It's knowing that you wake up today accepted because the, the Son is accepted. And you're in Him. And so you're all right. And you're, you're not going to be perfect today, but He's going to help you little by little to become more like Him. And you're going to trust Him for that. Tim Keller put it this way, God treats believers as if they have done all that Christ has done. God treats you tonight as if you have done all that Christ has done. That is where we grow from. Knowing that because Jesus obeyed, that was credited to me. Because Jesus was accepted, that is what I receive. And the primary thing that God is forming in you, before you, you change it all, before you become like Jesus in your character, the first thing he's forming is a heart that knows that you have unswerving assurance of acceptance with the Father because of Jesus. And as that grips us more and more, it becomes the platform from which we, we grow to become like him. And, and the more we see it, the more we, we, we just love him for who he is and what he's done. And how is this formed in us? There's attention here to something outside of us. Paul, what does he say about himself? Again, um, that metaphor, he says that he's in labor. He's, it's like he's in childbirth. Now, what's he actually doing? Well, he's, he's writing a letter. He's teaching, and, and his, his agony for their growth is, is expressed by communication. If you're in a position of helping someone else to grow, uh, of, of caring for them, you're burdened to see them find their, their joy and freedom in Christ, you're going to need to use words. You're going to need to come alongside in relationship, as Paul does here. And you're going to need to use God's words as you talk and as you share. And God can use that. He's also, I believe he's praying, though he doesn't say that. But uh, in Scripture, we do see prayer um, seems to have connections to this childbirth language. And, and sometimes in prayer, even as we read in, in Romans, how the Spirit can pray through us when we don't have the words and with, with groans that can't be uttered, sometimes that's what your prayers are like 
when you're interceding for someone. And maybe this week, if you, if you don't know how to pray for someone, ask the Holy Spirit just to help you pray, maybe even to feel that prayer through you. And he's groaning these prayers out. Prayer sometimes is like that, that you're partnering with God to see something even like childbirth happen, something so dramatic. And the, the childbirth language also points to the new creation that's being reborn that we saw in Romans, that as we are being formed like Christ, this is a sign of the bigger thing God is doing. This week, I, I want to leave you with that. Where is God taking you? He is taking you to, to be someone who people could mistake for Jesus because you become so much like him. His stamp has been impressed on you. And to be asking God this week in, in the, the joys and in the pain of this week, how are you forming me? What are you doing? And to know that we continue always in the same way that we started. It's never about achieving something that God will thereby accept you, but Jesus achieved it. And bring yourself back each day to the gospel to Jesus, to Him being enough, to knowing that His grace covers all of your sin. And that's how you can step forward in confidence. Can we pray together and then we'll close. Father, thank You tonight that we are not going to be left the way we are. We love what You're doing in our lives. We love that You have rescued us so completely in Jesus and that you are making us to be like our Savior. Father, you, you know the times and, and the, the patterns sometimes in our, in our thoughts where we struggle to feel worthy or to feel accepted. And we are trying to look to ourselves to be worthy of you. Forgive us for forgetting that Jesus has taken care of that. And help us to see him, to see how he is everything and he is enough and to rest in Him, and to live from that point. And we pray for you to make each of us also those intercessors who pray for one another and see the image of Christ being released in everyone in this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.